Today on the Topping Show, John Wick sets new box office records, Starbucks has a new CEO, Twitter's source code is partially leaked, First Citizens Bank shares to acquire SVB assets, Levi Strauss is experimenting with AI models, House Republicans pass the Parental Bill of Rights, Biden to prohibit foreign spyware, and Lyft will replace their CEO. All of that and much, much more on The Topping Show. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in today. Today's episode of The Topping Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN and Topping Technologies. ExpressVPN helps protect your online data, and Topping Technologies is an IT value-added reseller and services company with a special proficiency in IT security. If you're a business owner or an IT leader, use a little assistance. You can reach them at sales at toppingtechnologies.com. Now, jumping to the business part of the podcast, Starbucks announced that they will have a new CEO. New CEO is taking over a little bit earlier than projected. His name is Lexman uh, Narisimham, and he was recently taking over for the current CEO or former CEO, Howard Schultz. Howard Schultz is the entrepreneur who actually bought the company a few years after it started and helps transform it into a $100 billion business. So he was the one responsible for the orchestration execution behind most of their growth, similar to Ray Kroc getting involved with McDonald's, which became a global company under his leadership. Now, Howard Schultz is stepping down in light of more and more stores unionizing, and he's actually being called to speak with the Senate Health, Education, Labor, and Pension Committee, which is, their acronym is HELP. Again, acronyms everywhere, because everyone wants to sound fancy and smart. But nevertheless, so that committee, he's going to be called to speak to discuss labor complaints and union-busting allegations against Starbucks. Now, interestingly enough, Lexman has pledged to work as a barista in stores around the country at least once a month as part of his overall leadership responsibilities, which is somewhat reminiscent of when you had other companies like Walmart and Home Depot. For the longest time, the founders were involved on an individual store basis, kind of to stay in touch with the actual frontline employees. And as businesses grow, a lot of times that percentage of investment of time usually decreases. So... Kind of interesting to have him coming in with this approach and that kind of perspective, maybe giving him a little bit more of what a traditional founder saw during his growth as they're building the company. He can maybe see some of that voice of the employees, learn a little bit more about how they service their customers, and of course, make business decisions made off of that input. And this is actually interesting. So Harvard Business did a study a couple years back and they found that CEOs spend less than 6% of their time with frontline employees in contrast to 72% of their time being spent in meetings. And meetings are mostly BS in corporate America, in my opinion. There's there's a countless number of t-shirts where the, there's just a parody phrase that says, this should have been an email. Because it's true. In many cases in corporate America, it should just be an email. If it takes more than three emails to figure something out or to exchange an idea, then you set up a meeting. But coming from corporate America myself as well, and so in the IT industry, there's just a lot of meetings for the sake of having meetings. If people want to justify their jobs or sound fancy, and they really want your input, they just want to brag a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see if maybe he tries to decrease the amount of time he spends in the traditional meeting. Time shall tell. Now. First Citizens Bank share is set to acquire Silicon Valley Bank, or more specifically, the good parts. Now, 
Silicon Valley Bank tanking, again, was the largest bank failure in U.S. history since the demise of Lehman Brothers in 2008. First Citizens will purchase $72 billion of SVB assets. However, they get it at a discount, so they're discounting it about $16.5 billion. Now, that being said, $90 billion in securities and other assets will not be included. And the FDIC, another fun acronym, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, which is the entity behind your guaranteed deposit. If you go to any bank, you see a little plaque on the wall that says insured by FDIC up to 250 k or $250,000. So if you have money in that bank and they go bust and it's below that threshold, then the government will bail you out. And this is a mechanism where a lot of these banks have fees that pays into the FDIC, so you're paying for it. Think of it, it really is just insurance for the banks and you. Now, the FDIC estimates that Silicon Valley Valley Bank's failure will cost the U.S. government deposit insurance fund around $20 billion. So even though you're having a company swoop in to purchase a good part of SVP and it's a little bit of a bailout, there's still that big deficit of $20 billion. And I would say who knows where that money's going to come from, but realistically it's going to come from taxes or the government will just print money to cause more inflation. But it's one of those things where it's going to, the cost will be passed on somewhere. And unfortunately, it'll usually be the average Joe's. Now, also interesting business news, Twitter code was partially leaked. And specifically, a portion of Twitter source code was leaked online. This is coming to light from some recent court filings. Now, for those not in IT or kind of new to learn a little bit about, about IT, Specifically, the definition of a source code is a set of instructions and statements written by a programmer using a computer programming language. It consists of functions, descriptions, definitions, calls, methods, and other operational statements designed to be human-readable and formatted in a way that developers and other users can't understand. So rudimentary speaking, think of it as a recipe for a website. It gives you all the instructions, it tells you how it works, or perhaps a better Metaphor would be a football or a playbook for a NFL team or an NHL team or whatever team sports metaphor you choose. But it tells you the definitions of everything, tells you how it's supposed to work. And it's usually traditionally one of the most guarded secrets in tech, as well as heck, even a mom, mom and shop bakery. It's your recipe. So to leak what some might debate being that's one of the most valuable parts of the company, someone's probably going to be in deep water. Now, granted, it's Rumored is someone actually got fired from Elon about a year ago. So last Friday, Twitter asked GitHub to take down the source code code as well as divulge who posted the source code. And that being said, GitHub did the right thing. They took it down immediately. It'll be interesting to see how much digging they have to do to actually find out who and then where that person uploaded that data from. And of course, it's rumored from someone who actually was fired about a year ago. And other interesting Twitter news, Twitter is now valued down to $20 billion. Now, that valuation is coming from the fact that Twitter is currently offering employee stock grants based on a $20 billion valuation, which isn't great considering that's about half of what Elon paid for the company. When Elon bought Twitter, he paid about $44 billion for the business. And Elon is telling Twitter should be described as a quote-unquote an inverse startup, which is true. It's one of those things where they need to go back to square one, trim a lot of the fat from the budget. And they've been fairly successful. They've had a set a staff of about 7,000 employees. And again, this company was never profitable to begin with overall. 
So the staff was about 7,000. When Elon took over, they got that staff down to 2,000. And funny enough, this service is about the same or better from my anecdotal experience of me just logging on every couple of days and posting stuff or reading some of the news on there. The experience is about the same, although many would say better since there's less censorship and more people are allowed on the platform now. So it's one of those things where, what were those 5,000 employees doing? And there's a lot of funny pseudo documentaries where these employees would actually brag about their business day, where they would record themselves on their cell phone. They Their day, I forgot her name, but a gal recorded herself going to the Twitter office. She had a 20 minute meeting, after which she went to an hour spa on site. She went and played ping pong for an hour. There was a winery on site. Like, this whole person's day consisted of a 20-minute meeting. That was the only work-related thing she did. And, of course, they're getting paid 250 plus because they live in Silicon Valley, which is one of the most expensive places to live in the United States, heck, even in the globe. So that's a lot of money they're going to be saving in salaries. Now, Elon also noted that his vision for Twitter can be described as, quote-unquote, a clear but difficult path to a greater than $250 billion valuation. Which would be astronomical growth, though not unheard of given his track record of turning companies around, most famously Tesla. He stepped in when the company was pretty much on the brink, literally on the brink of bankruptcy. They haven't brought a mass product to the market. And that's now some of the most successful automotive companies in history. It's actually the only successful American automotive company startup since Chrysler all those years ago. And now it'll be interesting to see if Rivian can say Rivian can say the same thing as Rivian is an EV truck maker in the United States, but they're they're struggling severely with both you know constraints, battery constraints in terms of supply chain as well as their stocks prices going down. They're missing targets for deliverable units. Now going on to the interesting culture product podcast, Levi announced they will be using AI models. Now Levi specifically announced that they Levi being Levi Strauss clothing company. They announced they will partner with AI Studio by the name of LalaLand.ai. LalaLand.ai is a company which generates AI-generated fashion models. And which is interesting, Levi noticed specifically they wanted to use the service to increase diversity of their models. Which, you could also just hire contractors too and just interview. But, this would probably be a lot cheaper. Now, their quote from Levi, or the representative is, quote-unquote, supplement human models increasing the number and diversity of our models for our production in a sustainable way and they're by no means alone in this trend of clothing companies using artificial intelligence for their advertising campaigns and marketing campaigns other fashionable companies which are already using this technology include juggernaut's tobby hilfiger as well as calvin klein and they're some of the biggest icons in the industry so they're already doing it and Levi did come off a recent layoff. Last year, they laid off about 700 employees, equating to about 15% of the workforce in their attempt to save the company $100 million. And I'm actually not too sure. I know in modeling, one of the biggest things about fashion and modeling is agencies which hire contractors. So I'm not, it'll be interesting to see how much money they're saving by using this business model. Now, on a cultural note, I wonder if people in America specifically are going to push back against this trend as you have more and more people unemployed. And especially if their goal is to increase diversity, one would think they would hire a diverse staff of many multicultural uh, backgrounds instead of hiring a computer. 
So it'll be from a cultural cultural perspective, it'll be interesting to see if they receive any pushback, or if maybe this is more of the future of fashion, where of course they can decrease not only cost but also the time to actually set up a studio, or even if you're hiring a contractor or an agency to do that. It takes a lot of time to set up a studio, set up the lights, do all the Photoshop to make sure all their hair, hair, facial expressions, everything's just perfect. Well, if an AI computer can do that right off the bat, it'll be interesting to see what type of ripple effect this has. Now, other fun cultural news, John Wick 4 is already setting new records. Now, if you look at most sequels in Hollywood, any movie, it seems like over time the movies get worse and worse and worse until you're left with just a husk of what was a great franchise or a great movie. They seem to go down in quality. And of course, going down in quality, a lot of them actually lose money or rather they make less money every single sequel that comes out. Now, they already made an impressive record. John Wick 4 during their opening weekend made $73.5 million, which is astonishing, especially if you consider the opening earnings for all the John Wick movies. So John Wick 1 had revenue opening weekend of $14 million. John Wick 2 opening weekend had $30.4 million. John Wick 3, $56.8 million. So that's unheard of unprecedented growth for a franchise, which is also one of the reasons I suspect this won't really be the final chapter of the last movie. Kind of like the Universal Studios, their most valuable property that I can think of is the Fast and Furious series or franchise which consistently hit a billion dollars in revenue, it's hard to say no when you have a proven formula for a fiscal success. Now, they also noted that in all 71 markets that John Wick was released, it debuted at number one, which is even more impressive. So all those movie theaters, all those areas, they're the number one. Now, Lionsgate noted that only nine franchises in the past 40 years have set opening weekend records on their fourth installment. And only five had made more than the sequel, which is unheard of. Now, John Wick 1, their total global box office was $86.1 million globally. All these numbers will be globally, but John Wick 2 box office total was $174.3 million. And John Wick 3 was $328.3 million. So it's about double the revenue every single movie and it's funny, if you look at behind the scenes, John Wick is, Keanu Reeves has done so much training to prepare for these movies. Some are joking, he's basically just John Wick with all the martial arts and all the firearms training he's done for these films. So every single film seems to be doubling in revenue, which is incredibly successful and rare in Hollywood. I would not be surprised if this is the new, they turn this into a pseudo James Bond where Granted, those are based on Ian Fleming's books, but they didn't just make three or four, they made many of them. Usually the pivotal moment in a franchise is when they decide or if they decide to let it stop with a specific actor. So as long as Keanu Reeves is willing to do it and the writing consistently continues to be great, I think it's going to be a great long-term franchise as well. So a little bit fun cultural note with those awesome movies. Getting into the politics... House Republicans passed a parental bill of rights. The bill passed last Friday and highlights the parental rights in the classroom. The vote breakdown was 213 for the bill versus 208 against the bill. This bill now heads to the Senate for consideration. Granted, it's unlikely to pass because Democrats control the Senate. Now, 
House Republican rhinos, I mean Republicans, Andy Biggs from Arizona, Ken Buck from Colorado, Matt Gates from Florida, Mike Lawler from New York, and Matt Rosendale from Montana, all flipped over to the Democratic side for this particular bill. And I don't think this should be a controversial bill or a bipartisan. I don't think this should be a bill that divides political affiliations. I think it should, if anything, unite anyone. So if you look into the bill, the bill would, one, require schools to publish their current curricula. So everything they're teaching would be publicly known, which you would think would be common sense or common knowledge. But a lot of the times the parents, they can't get that data, which if you're sending your kid to your school, of all the people privy to that data, they should be part of that party. Now, the bill would also mandate parents to be allowed to meet with their kids' teachers and makes and makes the school give the information to the parents when violence occurs in the school on school grounds. That came from the Loudoun County incident where the school covered up sexual assault, and they claimed it didn't happen. And thanks to thanks to some local investigation by the Daily Wire. They found that the school did, in fact, cover up two uh, multiple allegations of that, which we now know are fact. And they didn't tell the parents, which is even more disgusting. So that's part of the bill. Now, the bill also demands that parents receive a full list of books and reading materials accessible at the school library, as well as give parents a voice when schools are editing or forming policy and procedures for student privacy and other issues. Now, given the data we have at hand and given the amount, the bill that I, the bill that I read in the high reset that I read, I don't know why there's many people pushing back against this bill. Some are saying the people who oppose it are saying that, you know, it's going to make the lives of the teachers harder and it's going to slow down their job. If they have so much scrutiny and the parents are going to slow things down and it's the, it's the teacher's rights. They should just be, they should be able to do it. I'm like, it's astonishing that anyone is pushing against this bill. I think long-term, there should be bipartisan support for this because you should empower parents. I mean, they're not your kids. It's one of the biggest cliches in politics. Some politicians will tell teachers and teachers will say that it's their kids. No, the, the parents are entrusting you to teach the kids, which some would say it's a big mistake these days, depending on your county and your state and what they're teaching or what values they're teaching, which... That's not a huge philosophical debate in and of itself. They should be teaching simply zeros and ones or simple truths that are unquestionable or it's like two and two plus equals four. Or if they should be introducing morals laws or morals when that's supposed to be the parent's job. So it's a very interesting and I think it could be a long term productive conversation. Unfortunately, most of the time politics usually just breaks down to memes and yelling at each other, unfortunately. So hopefully it'll have some constructive conversation around this, but right now it seems to be a one-side support. You have the Republicans supporting this bill and Democrats pushing against it. It'll be interesting to see what happens in the Senate. The odds are against the bill. So it'll be interesting to see what occurs from it. Now, interesting political news that I think this should be pretty uncontroversial or both the left and right should agree on this. Now, Biden said he's going to, via executive order, he's going to prohibit prohibit the U.S. government use of foreign spyware. Now, specifically, he passed an executive order that prohibits the use of commercial spyware across the federal departments that pose a risk to national security. It's going to apply to all departments, all agencies. And quote, unquote, from one of the articles I read from The Hill, uh, which is a great website for political news, they said, the order will apply to all department 
and agencies and bans the use of commercial spyware that a foreign government or foreign person used in an attempt to gain access to government electronic devices. Now, this is supposed to protect U.S. government agencies also when they're traveling around the globe. So it'll be interesting to see how, I'm not sure how the executive order would work on a global scale if you have a U.S. diplomat or U.S. employee, uh, federal employee going to another country and they install something on their phone or it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Now, the several government officials have noted that they have found spyware on U.S. personnel who travel overseas and they're being targeted specifically, which is not too far-fetched to believe. I mean, it, data is the most valuable asset on the planet these days, so I'm not too surprised that all of these countries are spying on each other. Now, going on to the fun business blunder of the day, Lyft said that they will replace their CEO founder Logan Green or co-founder with David Risher. Now, Green will remain on the board of directors and David has been on the board since 2021. Previously, David Fisher was a head of a product division at Amazon. He was a GM at Microsoft and also started his own company. And perhaps the high level business blunder is just Lyft not stepping up to the plate or not increasing their results fast enough to compete realistically with Uber who still has a huge market share. Now. Lyft stock right now is 88.87% down from their IPO. It's now trading at $9.60 a share with a market cap of $3.5 billion, $3.55 billion. So market cap, that's the value of all the stock that's out there. Their 2022 revenue is $4.09 billion, which in and of itself sounds like an amazing accomplishment. Every time you hit over a billion, that's a huge accomplishment. However, it's when you go contrast, that's what's concerning. Now, Uber stock, their stock has fallen since their IPO, their stock is down only, I say only, relatively speaking, 26.86% down. So it's now trading at about $30.32 a share. Their market cap is $57 billion. That's a lot, that's a much bigger market cap. So you had market cap of Lyft being 3.55 versus 57 billion. And even more concerning, Uber's 2022 revenue was $31.877 billion. So Lyft in 2019, again, they had 4.09 billion versus 31.877 billion. And the business blunder is just Lyft not adapting quick enough and growing quick enough. And it's one of those situations where you no longer have a duopoly for a while those two were the biggest games in town and there wasn't a lot of competition relatively speaking uber is also getting a leg up on them because they're working with manufacturers such as if you look at other manufacturers i believe they're in conversations with general motors and other major automotive manufacturers to develop cars specifically for rideshare use also taking into account ai technology so that's going to be a whole nother level of market domination if they get that go to market plan first. So there's a lot, and they also have some automotive companies who are making their own rideshare company apps and their own rideshare services, which will eventually be AI driven as well. So it'll be an interesting relationship with these manufacturers of the actual vehicles. Sometimes you're going to be competing with them. Sometimes they'll be going head to head, similar to what we were saying about Nike versus Foot Locker. They're they work together, but also Nike sells direct and they're increasing that business model route when I report on that a couple weeks ago. 
needless to say, Lyft replacing one of their co-founders, I think it decreases confidence in the company. Some are saying he doesn't have the skill set to grow the company beyond the current growth rate. However, I always like to give, I would like to think they would give him the benefit of the doubt. And also, a great leader knows how to hire people who are better than him. So you would think that Logan would bring in additional talent, and maybe he has, but I still think there's capabilities to grow it with him in the leadership role. And it's one of those things where they're just not yet realistically competing with Uber at this time. I mean, there's less than a tenth, or it's about, oh, I'm not the best mathematician on the planet, but four versus 31, it's not 10 times, but eh, it's close. Yeah, maybe eight. Nevertheless, it's a factor beyond my internal brain, my, my internal capacity for math at the moment. But needless to say, that is a business blunder of the day. Thank you so much for tuning in. Don't forget, if you'd like to see more content like this, to like, subscribe, and comment. Also, tell your family, tell your friends, tell your coworkers, heck, tell your enemies, tell anyone. Just stay safe and fight the good fight.